Welcome to How to Have Fun at Work. My name is Lynn Parker, and I spent years doing something I was good at, but not having any fun. Then one of my clients told me women aren't funny. So I created Funny Women, and the rest is history. In this podcast, I talk to guests from both comedy and business. They have a lot more in common than you would ever imagine. How do we create calm out of chaos? Our definitions of chaos vary depending on how we like to live. Some of us thrive while others merely survive, and the vision of that swan gracefully gliding across smooth waters whilst paddling furiously underneath the surface surely applies to many of us after almost two difficult years of COVID chaos. Now, I've got two amazing guests with me to discuss this. Welcome, Janet Ellis and Lucy Porter. Hello. Hi, Helen. Hi, Lucy. (laughs) Hi, Janet. Hi, Lucy. Now it's so great to get you two together, and it's it's been it's been fun trying to do that. And uh, it is the last episode of How to Have Fun at Work for 2021. Um, you've both been super busy, and thank you for doing this because uh, we are about to go into sort of seasonal chaos. Let me introduce you first to Janet Ellis. Um, now, Janet and I first met, I was trying to work it out, Janet, actually, over 30 years ago when we were guests on a TV show talking about returning to work after having children. Can I just interject and say you neither of you look older? Thank you. Thank <laughs> you, Lucy. And we didn't pay her to do that either. <laughs> Thank you. I did. I did actually pay her to do that. Busted many, so sorry. Now, Janet is well known to to most of you as a former Blue Peter presenter, as well as being an accomplished actress, presenter, broadcaster and writer, appearing in everything from Doctor Who, which I'd forgotten about, and The Sweeney, to Celebrity MasterChef and Antiques Road Trip. In between, she's written two novels and become a published author, The Butcher's Hook and How It Was, both of which would make excellent stocking fillers at this seasonal time of year. Janet lives in London near to her extended family of three children and five grandchildren, which is surely a recipe for chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Janet. I, I've just, I think we've had a little peek into your life, uh, looking at Sophie's kitchen discos and uh, the children running around. So is it, how does, how does she make it all look so effortless? <laughs> Uh, well, I think, um, uh, like a lot of things, that was distilled down to uh, half an hour, 40 minutes of, of organised chaos. I mean, the good thing with the kitchen disco. Well, the kitchen disco went out live, actually. Yes, um, that's what I thought. But uh, the good thing about that was that she never said to her children, you have to be there, you know, because fond as we are, she's not actually the Von Trapps. And <laughs> it was interesting to see that some of them wanted, I mean, Sonny was kind of on call because that when they started, he was uh, only 15, but he was looking after his very small littlest brother, Aww. who was only a matter of months then. Um, but he was not required to be in vision. And actually, I think he quite liked it. <laughs> I think by the end of it, he had a tiny fan club going because he is Aww. actually genuinely really good with especially the smaller ones Aww. ones in the middle a bit more friction but I think like a lot of those things you know it it, it looks easy if you only see that moment but yeah I, I don't know if you saw the one where Sophie actually just turned off the mic that she was singing into and just held up actual literal sound that she was hearing which was the chaos of her <laughs> 
<laughs> so the impressive thing is that she managed to sing and hold notes and it was in tune with this sort of normal, what's that known, you know, around her. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that the chaos, she's obviously familiar with the chaos, but I think that added to the charm. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, it is, that is a a charm version of chaos and she was also if i might say so phenomenal for children in need doing the 24 hour kitchen disco i did and i have never admired a human being more because it was so (laughs) difficult because um i'd been in a couple of years ago tess and claudia did one for comet relief and it was a dance on and i went in and there was like people in the corridors like you know everyone dancing together and of course because of covid poor sophie had to hold it all together on her own and like you went in I went in with Trevor Nelson we both had to stand on spots six metres away from each other and away from Sophie and all you wanted to do was go and give her a massive hug because she was working so hard Um, and she was an absolute trooper and she kept I mean uh, it was such a lesson in sort of resilience and determination and what you can do you know we'd all been through a lot and I think it it did feel like a bit of a metaphor for what we've all been through I was really really proud of her because obviously she raised a lot of money which is the intent which is she managed to stay herself through it you know by the time I arrived which was about half past seven in the morning um she still had a sense of humor yeah (laughs) she was still her and I think having a camera on you for 24 hours with five minute breaks is is an endurance in itself Mm. but obviously to keep up writing dancing and and use what is actually about the 16th of her wardrobe but anyway (laughs) Plenty of sparkly, plenty of sparkly stuff. Now, listen, before poor Lucy uh, fades under all this uh, approbation for the wonderful Sophie, I just want to introduce her because she's also somebody I've known for quite a long time. Don't nearly. say how many years. No, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, but it is quite a long time. <laughs> it's decades. <laughs> I say hastily. It surely can't be many. It was and, the last millennium, I think, but anyway. Oh, surely just out of your playpen, Lucy. Yes, exactly. I was a, I was a glint in my mother's eye at that point. Now, listen. Let's, let's, let's give you the big intro. So Got you're it. hugely popular still with live comedy audiences. You perform and tour all over the UK and overseas. I, I, I'm saying you're a veteran. I might take that word out um, <laughs> of the Edinburgh Fringe. Uh, and and you've also taken part in a lot of other amazing festivals from Kilkenny in Ireland to the Las Vegas Comedy Festival. I'd like to know more about that. Um, you're known for your breezy feel-good comedy. I've read that somewhere. And I would agree with that, actually. Because And you're also an acclaimed comedy writer. And you, you're you very prominent on TV and, well, talking just about comic, uh, comic relief and, and uh, children in need. You're popping up on TV and radio, a lover of panel and quiz shows. Mm, love and, a quiz. Yes. Love a quiz. And, and tell us a bit about Fingers on Buzzers that you do with Jenny Ryan. Yeah, so that's my uh, podcast uh, that I love doing because it's <laughs> we get to uh, interview people from the world of quiz. And I'm only, uh, I mean, I'm a mere novice, but I, <laughs> I'm so competitive, ridiculously competitive. <laughs> our house is a nightmare at Christmas because we do take our board games unbelievably seriously. <laughs> and the children have already taken after us in that they, we have oh. rules for everything and they're very strict. Um, so, yeah, so, and I've always loved quizzes and TV quizzes. So Jenny and I do this podcast where we interview people 
like the classics like uh, Les Dennis and Henry Brilliant. Kelly because Going for Gold is one of my favourite all-time things and um, and then more sort of up-to-date kind of Richard Osman we have had on uh, this series and Zoe Lyons, a friend of the podcast and friend yeah. of yours and yeah. um, wonderful woman who's got her own, you know, one of the very few women to present a quiz show which is fantastic we're moving in the right direction yeah so um yeah you're, so ne- you're next lucy I-, I can feel it i can feel it because <laughs> no, all- i would be too competitive with the contestants you can't be a host <laughs> if you're going come on can i answer oh go on let me do it <laughs> and this is a recipe for chaos as well really isn't it i mean you know let's let's stay I on love top chaos. Of yeah. I love right. chaos. Well, let's talk about chaos then if you love it <laughs> now um I-, I think chaos is a bit like one person's rubbish to somebody else's treasure Mm -hmm. and and some of us do like you you say like you say thrive under the pressure of chaos uh but you know um, the dictionary definition is a state of total confusion with no order lack of organization so uh, since you love it lucy tell us a bit about your (laughs) your your love of chaos my relationship with chaos well i um my life has been chaotic in many different ways. You know, when I was younger, it was a whirlwind of parties and late nights and booze and, and you know, <laughs> sauciness. And uh, now it's the chaos of children and yeah. the sort of family life. But I have been thinking about it quite a lot, actually, because I, uh, the stand-up show I'm touring at the moment is called Be Prepared. Yes. And it was inspired by the motto of the Scouts. But it was kind of really, it was a show that I wrote about, can you be prepared for life? Is isn't life just chaotic and unpredictable? And um, and then, of course, uh, I started touring that show in March 2020. So uh, the Whoa. irony of having a show called Be Prepared and then having to put up big signs everywhere saying Be Prepared has been cancelled due to unforeseen circumstances. <laughs> it was slightly humiliating. But, um, the, you know, it sort of reinforced the point of the show, which I think is that you know, we spend so much time trying to rein in the chaos. And of course, you know, you do need to have a certain amount of structure and stability in your life. But um, embracing the chaos, I think, is also very useful in life and at work. You're listening to How to Have Fun at Work, brought to you by Funny Women and Hilarious. Now, Janet, we've talked a lot about Sophie and her supposedly unchaotic, but I'm sure it isn't. What about your life and how do you manage chaos or are you just calm all the time? I'm, I'm not, no. Um, it's just as well you can't see. This is <laughs> this is a tiny moment. I'm looking behind me now, uh, which is which is a filing cabinet, which I've already decorated with magnetic objects. But this, <laughs> this whole place is a minimalist, total nightmare. Yeah. And I'm sitting at uh, my desk, um, which I know where everything is, fact fans, yeah. because if you move something, I know. But I'm looking at things for the podcast over here i'm looking at stuff for the book over here i'm attempting a whiteboard with my novel (laughs) because uh, i'm really bad at timelines as my editor will attest and so when i write something frequently the copy editor whose benighted job it is to make sure that somebody doesn't have brown eyes in one chapter and blue in the next with me it's all about where people actually were and how old they were when they were doing it, because I have a very elastic view of my own life in those terms. And when we, when you were saying about how long is it that we've known each other, my timelines are 
all over the place. I know. If anything happened longer ago than vaguely last year, I am lost. I am lost with it, which is one of the many, many, many reasons why I've never lied about my age, because I know I'd be caught out. <laughs> and they'd say, oh, how old were you in X? <laughs> or even what year were you born? And I would trip up. So I, I think that chaos is something that I, I love. I love the sort of background hum of stuff. But mm. then on top of it, I do have fits of imposing order. And I guess that's work. <laughs> I guess that's work because that's somebody else's timetable usually. And if it isn't, if I'm writing, then I do have to impose quite strict deadlines. Now, those are, having said that, quite woolly in that <laughs> I don't start work at, you know, five in the morning and then stop rigorously and then, you know, have a break for lunch or whatever. But I do try and find my way through. I think it's like the... um the literary equivalent of following thread. I am just holding on to this piece of thread and it is taking me through a fairly chaotic forest. But I'm hoping, hoping at the end of it is what I need, which is A, the end of the book, uh, the notes for the podcast and whatever else I happen to be doing. But I do regard my chaos as the background noise and the efficiency, which is a very oxymoronic thing to say. <laughs> chaos and efficiency and natural bedfellows but I would be very disturbed to find myself waking up to absolutely everything in its place and a place for everything (laughs) well you do an exceptionally good job of making the chaos look good and you know we've known (laughs) it and we have known each other and and you know your home is wonderful and I I kind of love that sort of chaos and stuff but and actually I always feel quite uncomfortable around people that seem to be terribly neat and tidy I think that I think that comes from being a creative person as well Lucy I mean you know we've all got we've all got a number of projects all three of us have lots of projects on the go at any one time and yeah. I'm I haven't got a whiteboard um and probably I thought you were going to ask this. if my um house you was got... chaotic and that was <laughs> well I will then oh yeah no no just I mean absolutely like well I mean I think like Janet it's like to me it makes sense but absolutely. to everybody yeah. else although I have to say you know some people say oh well I'm messy but I'm clean I am both messy and filthy and dust because if you're a maximalist as I am and and Janet clearly is um you just dust is the thing that will find its way everywhere really oh yeah dust can I I tell you my most embarrassing dust story springs to mind is that among the many many programs to which I have lent my services (laughs) I did um cash in the attic Oh, right. um, the attic requires you to forage about and come up with something that might be semi-valuable. However, I was given a bit of a pass because I was doing it for um, a charity I adore, Maggie's, and I did say to them, I have nothing of any value. So I was allowed to sort of have things in my house that had been donated by Maggie's supporters. However, um, it requires you to have a, a chum alongside, and one of the presenters is Gloria Honeyford. Both of these facts are material. The chum I chose is a very old friend who was also a very old friend of Karen Keating, Gloria's daughter, who was one of my closest friends. So they come along to do the initial scene-setting chat in my home, spread out in front of us the fairly dust-free things that people had donated. <laughs> But they'd asked me to provide a few things of mine just dotted around a bit sort of atmos and set dressing. So Kathy, my so-called friend, picked up something <laughs> of mine and tipped it upside down to see if there was any sort of mark it was of ours. And this shower of dust <laughs> fell into her lap while we were filming. And Gloria 
I thought I had a good relationship. <laughs> then she crossed and said, and are you messy like Janet, Kathy? <laughs> <laughs> I went out on actual television that oh, moment. That day. Oh, yeah. And I must that when my, my small grandchildren come round, and of course, it you know, this is sort of a toy shop where most of it is forbidden because, you know, it's, oh, be careful, it's breakable, oh, be careful. Anyway, mostly it's, oh, be careful, it's filthy. <laughs> so they pick things up. And I have to give them a sort of going over with whatever yeah. I'm wearing at the time. Oh. I, I have to say, though, I don't think it's essential for creativity. I would hate people mm. to feel they had to be a certain way to be creative. Yeah. And yeah. I have oh, sat yeah. in so many of those writers' talks, uh, you know, this is long before I was published, and thought I just need a few crumbs from the table about how to do this, <laughs> apart from the obvious thing, which is just write the book. But I'd sit there and they'd say, you know, I, I get up really early and I have a cold shower and I'm at my desk by six. And I think I'm never going to write. I'm oh. not that person. But if it works for them, it works for them. Yeah, you have to yeah. find your own level. I think. Yeah. Oh, well, my husband is my husband is definitely much more. He likes a minimalist environment when he's working, and he can discipline himself much more easily than I can. Um, and so he will sit down and write something from start to finish, and then we'll get up and normally go and have a beer and a Toblerone. Those are his two favourite <laughs> things. That's uh, that's what he does. Uh, but I whereas those impulses, <laughs> I will tend to. I'll start something and then I will go off and sort some socks out and then yeah. I'll come back and then I'll get up at four in the morning. I have my little menopausal worry time at 4am so I sort of <laughs> often find that that's a good time to get up and then instead of just lying there worrying about the world and everyone in it, I just do a little bit of get something. Up. And um, yeah. So yeah, so I think to other people it would look very chaotic but to me it's the way that I've always done things really. And I mean, I have had a so, you know, a portfolio career, as I believe they call it these days. <laughs> That's the workplace version of it, yeah. Yes, yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I've always been used to having, a, and I love to have about three or four different things on the go because yeah. it means that there's always something, because you always hate one of the things that you're doing and then you, you're you tempted by, it's like having a little love affair on the side. You go, oh, I should be, you know, writing this play or whatever, but actually what I really want to do is I've got that little magazine article to do or I've got yeah. this sort of column to write or something. And yeah. then it means you can sort of dabble in bits and when something's really doing your heading. And then, of course, you fall out of love with the thing you were in love with passionately five <laughs> minutes ago. And it's like, oh, I hate, I love, I hate my number show now, but I love writing this other thing that I'm doing or, you know, um, compiling this quiz or whatever. So, yeah, I think it, to me, it keeps me sane to have a few different things on the go at the same time, whereas my husband absolutely cannot cope with having unfinished projects everywhere. But I think that is a male thing, though, a, li a little bit. I'm, I'm probably being terribly... Um, You've had more men in your life than me, obviously, no, Lynn. No, I mean, no, I, I only no, know the one. <laughs> but, you know, I have, a, I have a husband and a son, and they're both very linear about what they do, whereas my daughter and I both of us have loads of crazy things on the go all the time. I'm also, I don't know about you, I'm very easily distracted. Yeah. I'll literally go off on a 
on a, yeah. you know, down a down a pathway and think, oh, I was meant to be doing so-and-so. And a lot of time gets wasted with that, yeah. really. Well, I'm in the middle of getting an uh, ADD diagnosis, I think, oh. which I, for years, everyone has said, you know, you should, you should get a diagnosis. And I was like, why would you do that? What's the point? And then I've had, since I think in lockdown, because everybody slightly turned inward, I think it was inevitable, yeah. really, because you were on your own so much. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about it more. And there were lots of people I knew who decided to sort of go down that route. And almost every female stand-up comedian I know <laughs> has been diagnosed with ADD. I feel like I'm jumping on a massive bandwagon, but I did have, I had a lovely pep talk from Angela Barnes the other day. Who saw, she said, look, it will, it, you, to her, it had made a big difference. And I was like, oh, is, is there really any point? And she was like, well, you will explain a lot of stuff that has gone on in your life. You yeah. may find that medication helps. And I'm never averse to taking medication. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm a big fan of Neurofen Plus in a, you know, in a pinch when I'm feeling a bit, uh, a bit pained so uh so yeah so I kind of think uh and it, it also because I've been doing things like yoga and a lot of just doing a lot more exercise because everybody said oh that will really help with your focus and concentration yeah, yeah. and uh it really has it turns out everyone's right that exercise is a good thing you heard it here first yeah well I, I go for a really big walk every day and mm. I do have a, a gigantic dog but even when I was between dogs, I, I walked anyway. In fact, I walked with a sort of ghost of the dog that had died. And then no. anticipation of the puppy to come, I still walked. And that is absolutely, it has been my salvation. I think walk, walking is a thing. I live in in Rochester in Kent, so Dickens land. And you know, I'm always going on about Charles Dickens because he used to do a lot of walking. Yeah. You know, and I I get it because I think walking really helps you to process stuff. Well, it gets, if you, me, gets me up and out. Actually, yeah. Yeah. It probably doesn't do that for me. But... I thought I I don't know what I would yeah. have done. You know, if I didn't have something like that to get up for, and I didn't have the choice, so I just have been doing it, and it's become. Yeah totally routine and if you don't have a dog um then as you've alluded to janet you can have an imaginary one because i did for years have an imaginary dog called bouncy nora who i would (laughs) (laughs) because i always thought i really want to go for a walk but i needed to force myself and i was like well i need to take the dog out even though i didn't actually have a dog yeah you could also borrow angela if you like she's uh... oh angela this is how to have fun at work with lynn parker the founder of funny women to find out how to have fun in your workplace, visit www.herlarious.co.uk. Let's move on and let's swap chaos for calm. <laughs> let's get into the zone. So have you got any great tips? Let's start with you, Janet, because you have managed to write two books, which is always totally impressive. And novel number three, in progress so yeah novel number three is is um fifty thousand words in um but you know that's not that's not a finished book and uh (laughs) yeah I do have moments of thinking that my characters have been stuck like you know those little icons at the beginning of a video game just sort of bounce around ready for you they've been like that for a while so um, understandably straight after this call and after I've done a few other things I'll rescue them um yeah finding calm you know I think it's actually about giving yourself permission to not worry about not being calm I think calm is one of those things like happiness which catch you where you suddenly think Mm. oh I'm feeling much calmer about I mean obviously there are going to be triggers that unnerve you or make you feel sort of 
prodded somehow to to do something that you don't feel very comfortable with. But I think personally, it's better to think, where can I be that I'm not going to be aggressively not calm rather than looking for something which feels calmer? If you have something that totally works for you, seek it out, but it may not be readily available. And I think we spend a lot of time being really hard on ourselves that we're not calm, we're not contented, we're not thinking about other people, we're not doing the thing we should be doing. And that may be um, a predominantly female thing, I'm not sure. But I think uh, as women, we do take on a lot. We also take on the lives of everyone we're connected with. Yeah. Now, again, in a yeah. sweeping generalization, feel free, chaps, to say, no, that's not me. But by and large, I think life for women is like a running track. And you are aware of where all your people, your friends, your family, the people you work with, are alongside you on that running track or falling behind or way in front. But generally, if you say to a bloke, uh, where is your son at the moment? He will pause and say he's not sure. You know, this is a big old thing that everybody needs to think about. And maybe that's, for me, another way of being calm. I like to know where my people are roughly, roughly, roughly in the world and what Mm. they're doing. And it's nice if they're all in a line that that doesn't happen very often. But Mm. I think, you know, I've been thinking about it since obviously I knew we were going to be talking about it. And also because it's, it's happening a lot for me at the moment is trying to find places where the noise in my head doesn't outweigh the possibility of nice things. Nice things. Mm. If you leave the space for nice things, hopefully in that space comes the calm you need. But you cannot possibly just go, right, I'm going to be calm now because frankly, (laughs) for me, that doesn't work. No, I don't think that works. And I think, you know, there's all this advice, isn't there, thrown at us a whole time about how we're meant to do this and how we're meant to do that. And it just has the, the worst effect on me. It feels like homework. I, I, yeah. It feels yeah. like yeah. double French homework. It feels yeah. like, you know, you've done what you were meant to do during the day, but somehow you've missed out on the bit where you're actually yeah. being nice to yourself or being calm or, yeah. you know, sorting something. You think, ah, no, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll just say I wasn't well. <laughs> I, I had... <laughs> yes. Um, Lucy, what's been happening with you? And obviously comedy. Yeah, your tour, cancel. Well, it was quite hard to stay calm because my husband and I were both, 2020 was our big year of returning to the live stage. We were like, we've been, you know, too long. We've been doing television and radio and things. What what we want to do is get out there and get live. And so (sighs) there was that one week in, you know, just before lockdown where every phone call was to say, oh, "Oh, that gig's not happening. Oh, no, sorry, that's not happening. And my husband was meant to be at the RSC in Stratford for the whole year. And so, yeah, so that definitely was one of the more sort of chaotic weeks of although I mean in a way it was strangely calm because it was just that resignation of going mm. well we're everything our world is just collapsing so let's just enjoy it and uh, you know sit and eat chocolate and not not worry <laughs> too much but um but then you know and then of course now everything's starting up again and that's been it, you know readjusting to doing stuff after having had you know and we were doing stuff but we weren't as busy as as normal so yeah so it's been I mean I was thinking about this sort of how to be calm and I think I really love what Janet was saying about the running track and also the the idea of sort of not forcing yourself and I hate anything that's meant to make you calm I hate pampering and I hate sort of having oh there's nothing else being fiddled with you know like you go oh massage what face are you meant to make I know I know and the music's always 
terrible. Yes. <laughs> it's literally terrible. And there's always that bit. I'm, I think we're probably thinking about sort of massages and things where yeah. they leave you alone in that room with this music, and then they go back in a minute. And think, what am I, I forgot what she said. I'm supposed to take off. Yeah. <laughs> and what about lying on this funny bed? And oh my gosh, putting your face in the hole. I think this is a treat. I must remember this is a treat. Yes. I know, and you're there sort of going, like you're saying, you're like, where was I meant to put my pants? I'll just, you know, you've got one boob hanging out, your pants on your head. By the time they come back in, you're just so so, so and, stressed about it. And the Michael Bublé Christmas album for the third year running yeah. in the case of my local, local beauty salon. I think I'd almost, pr- I don't know, I'm saying that now. I, the, one, the one I've been to, which is usually... Oh dear, they're going to hear this. A treat given by my, by my children, you know. Oh, we've brought you a massage. They go, oh, that's really great. But it's sort of, um, you know, whale music. Oh, no. Or what I oh, actually no. think is, you know, because think... obviously I've got musicians in my family and so yes. I love you. But I think, well, at least somebody's being paid. <laughs> <laughs> this, this music, which they probably went into the studio and went, is, really? Is this what? Okay, hours of it? Okay. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Yeah. At the end of it, I just hope there were many Toblerones all around because I, yeah. I work on a reward system and I think Toblerones are right up there. They are. They are very much up there. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I can never purposely relax. Um, but I do find that one of the things that I was thinking about this week, because obviously it's Christmas party season. We're still having mm. where mm, we're allowed topical. Christmas parties. And um, <laughs> I have been doing, I do quite a lot of award ceremonies. I host award ceremonies, which is one of my absolute favourite things to do because yeah. I, in my head, I pretend I'm receiving all the awards <laughs> rather than giving them out. But um, I, uh, and I was doing one the other day and it was quite rowdy as things become at Christmas. And I thought one of the great things I have learned over the years, and it's taken me a long time, is that if you are faced with a noisy, rowdy, chaotic audience, what you do not do is match their energy. And I've done this in the past where you're trying to shout, hey, guys, calm down, everyone. Um, You you do not do that. What you do is you drop your voice Mm. to an absolute whisper. And it is like dealing with children. Dealing with drunks is exactly the same as dealing with children. You model the behaviour that you want them to adopt. And it's incredible. And I think there was an Irish comedian called Ian Coppinger, I think he was one of the first people who ever really demonstrated this to me, that we were at some incredibly leery gig. And he went on and he's a tiny, he's my height, he's a tiny fella. And I and everyone was like, oh my God, they're going to eat him alive, this little Irish fella. And he just sort of went out very calmly and was like lovely and Irish and hello, you know. And the whole audience, it is amazing. It's like magic. They, in fact, yeah. I used they, to run... They lean in, don't they, the audience? People lean they, in and yeah. you have to make yeah. them do that. I used to run a comedy club for um, parents and babies when I first oh, had yeah. my, my eldest. And that was amazing to see you know obviously the babies don't understand what we're talking about but <laughs> they would respond to certain cadence and I mean particularly to music and you do see in that situation there would always be times where the babies would suddenly all start crying at once and you would like have no idea what set them <laughs> off but a little verse of wind the bobbin up would inevitably calm everyone down yeah. and it's it's like absolute magic music is magic especially wind the bobbin up if I'm ever in a very oh, difficult gig I'm going to remember that bobbin up. Yeah. Lucy, I, I am reminded of a gig which we did a long time ago, and I think it was an early Funny Women Awards heat. I think it was in Bristol, and for some reason, it was it was an. I think the, they thought it was something 
weird funny women because it was full of rugby playing men I know exactly and the gig you're talking you about and it is decades and it ago just, and I remember it yeah. and you I just never forget how you just managed this <laughs> wall of beefcake men <laughs> and these it poor so poor funny. nervous women who were competing in the awards you just made it perfect for them but I've <laughs> never forgotten that it was just <laughs> and I'm glad you remember nice. it as well but you know that was that was ver- that could have been chaos but it, actually they loved it they went out going oh the best night I've ever had and what well, have you and you I'm always think- need to um be I mean it's a confidence trick isn't it life is absolutely a confidence trick and with audiences or in meetings if you're presenting something you know the you have won the battle if you go into it thinking these people are going to like me and that is so difficult for people Mm. to do especially women I think that you know the the negative thoughts always come of like oh my god they're gonna they're gonna think I'm an idiot and this is oh I'm not really prepared enough even though you know you're a big girly swat and you have prepared and you know what you're doing um but yeah that gig I remember because it was sponsored by baby sham and I think we ended up with all the rugby lads were drinking baby sham by the end (laughs) which was (laughs) a great advert and and they literally were going out these great big guys saying oh my goodness I didn't know what I was coming to, but I've had, I've had a great time. You know, it's fantastic. <laughs> they thought they were <laughs> we don't know what they thought they were coming to, but it wasn't strip a club. night of stand-up it comedy. It was clearly a strip club. That yeah, was yeah. what they thought it was. Yeah. Anyway, we all kept our clothes on and they had a good time. I mean, I did for once. I, you know. <laughs> now, um, sadly, our time is coming to an end. So um, we've talked a bit about work. Let's just finish off by talking about that. Um Great advice, Lucy, on the keeping calm. But, you know, have you both got a a sort of top tip for actually how to have fun at work? Um, I know we're we're freelance workers and what have you, but Janet, what's your top tip for having fun at work? You know, I think honestly be yourself. Don't mm. don't worry, don't try and be either the fun person, the funny person, the clever person, the person who always does the cheese. Just be yourself. Because I think you know, I'm speaking from pensioner age experience now, but I'm very likely to mimic people. And I, you know, I go into somewhere and I end up talking like them or trying to be like them, even physically adopting mannerisms. <laughs> Actually, that's not what people want. I don't. You know, if you reverse that, I don't want someone coming in and trying to be like me, heaven for them. But actually, somebody coming in and saying it's okay to be me and you be you and we'll carry on together. And also, I think you get much more fun out of it if you just keep asking people questions and engaging with them and turning it around. Mm. You know, I've always said to my kids when they're nervous, two things. Firstly, nerves are a privilege. Most people don't get to feel nervous. You know, in your routine, you don't get it. So when you feel it, you must remember it's kind of excitement on steroids. But secondly, if you're feeling really nervous or really ill at ease or really looking for something to make your day better, ask someone a question, let them take over. Their response is going to be funny anyway. People do like to talk about themselves as well. I I think that's a good point. And listen. Yeah. Lucy, what's your uh, top tip for having fun at work? Yeah, I would echo that. I would say radical honesty is always a great one. If I mean, you see this when you see young comedians starting out and they go on stage and they're frightfully nervous and the whole audience, you can feel everyone's buttocks clenching because they're like, oh no, this person is so nervous and now we're nervous and the whole thing's just really awkward and and they're trying to get their jokes out. And, and I say a young comedian, I mean, this was exactly me. And it's all really awkward and it's not really working. And then the 
comedian acknowledges it and goes, oh my God, this is going terribly. <laughs> and the audience just, all the buttocks unclenches <laughs> one and everybody laughs and then it starts going better and that absolutely addressing the situation that you're in and obviously you know without being rude or without saying that everything's crap it's like you need to acknowledge because yeah. there's nothing worse than enforced fun and I've seen oh, this no. during the pandemic there was some I did some zoom gigs <laughs> yeah. for companies and I wish to name no names but um there were a couple where you could tell it was sort of mandated that everyone had to oh. sit at their computer wearing dealy boppers <laughs> and I mean it was like oh god it's these horrible, poor people they've been it? at a screen all day don't make them I know. you know you can offer these things but don't make them do stuff so yeah yeah, you can't have fun by mandate you have to it has to be organic no diddly boppers I'm with you (laughs) (laughs) you have to let fun creep up on you and sometimes there'll be something at work where you just think catching that person's eye about a particular thing or planning something together or I think it's it's opening yourself up to the possibility that other people might be looking for fun too rather than going I'm going to be fun today yeah forced fun is hell yes collaborative sort of playfulness is what you're looking for isn't it totally yeah Yeah. I agree with that Janet where what are you up to where can we find you What's well, next? Uh, unusually, because I think there's hardly any about. I'm, I'm making a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> podcast number three million, I think. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, it's, it's called Twice Upon a Time. And I simply ask my guests, what was their favourite childhood book? And Lovely. I need one that springs to mind now. You know, the one that you think, oh, I want to be back mm. there reading that. And then we just have a conversation about how you read it, if it was read to you, what it meant. We try and get a copy as close to the one that you, you cradled as oh, possible. How lovely. Because often the text and the pictures are the things that also take mm. you back to childhood. So come on, Lucy, what's what's your childhood? Oh, and I love that. Yeah, well, I know exactly what it would be. It would be, is it Ferdinand? The uh, the Bull. It's a little book and they oh. made it into a movie. Yes. Um, and I have the um, I original. was clearing out my mum and dad's house and I found the original and the there's a little picture of this bull sitting, sniffing the flowers. It's all about a bull who doesn't want to fight. He just wants to be peaceful and lovely. Yeah. And um, and that little picture of him sniffing the flowers, it was that incredible whoosh. Have I opened up that book and was taken back to being, you know, in my nighty, sitting <laughs> after the bath, reading this book and absolutely <laughs> loving it. And I think it's such Aww. a great idea for a podcast because everybody will have those. Yeah. What's your name? Oh, I, I'm a... I'm a Secret Seven and Mallory Towers, you know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why, as a child, I desperately wanted to be at a boarding school. I would have hated it, but it all just looked like fun. Midnight <laughs> feasts, mm. escaping out of the dormitory window, down <laughs> tied yeah. up uh, bedsheets. I wanted that adventure. Instead, I didn't get it. So that was my dream. I, I loved it. And I loved the Larkins, actually, uh, as well. Which has been televised, and I think it's beautiful. Have you seen the um, the Mallory Towers? BBC did a Mallory Towers. No, uh, no. Oh, it's absolutely brilliant. Oh, I've I'm been going to go and find them. that. Yeah, the children weren't even around, but I just I just binge watched it. All. It's lovely, <laughs> really lovely. Oh, that's good. To know. So, Lucy, what's next for you? Um, and uh, what's you, you've got your podcasts? Well, I mean, who knows? I, I I mean, at this point, after the couple of years we've had, it's like, well, I'm not even going to say what I'm doing because God will be laughing. <laughs> and you think so? You think that's what? going on um but yes i'll be podcasting with jenny ryan on fingers on buzzers and yeah i'm on tour with this show be prepared the ironic yes. title so uh, yeah i'll be and around that, and you have dates for that in the new year do you i do i do have a few yeah Great. so let's hope they happen 
Lovely. Well, thank you both so much for trying to make some calm out of our chaotic lives. I think they don't seem so chaotic now. We've discussed it. <laughs> no, well, we're all very similar, it turns out. So that's reassuring. It's isn't good, isn't it? <laughs> so thank you very much. Goodbye. Thanks for, jo- oh, thanks thanks for joining us. Bye. Thank you. You've been listening to How to Have Fun at Work with Lynn Parker. If you like us, please subscribe, review and share. Chicken, 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 chicken.